The Colts have turned into a dumpster fire before our very eyes. Go ahead, Colts. Burn it down. We have your third round pick next year. Uh, <laughs> is Frank Reich a name to watch in Denver, John? Should the Broncos already be doing their homework on just fired former Colts head coach Frank Reich? We'll get to that here just a little bit later in the program. But first and foremost, it's the Broncos Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by John Heath, who is back from his trip to London and all over Europe. John, how was your trip? It was awesome. Thanks for asking. It was a lot of fun. We watched the Broncos in London and also a couple of soccer games. So it was a really fun time. And the jet lag, I didn't realize how much it would hit me, but the few days after... It was really, really weird to get back on the time, but I'm, I'm just about there now. So just about back to normal life now and ready to get back into the swing of Broncos football. Yeah. Do you, you know what day it is, what time it is, all that, right? That kind of, do you have yeah, any, do, do you have any advice for uh, football fans who might want to do something like this or just people that want to take this trip in general? Did you, did you learn anything on your travels? Yeah, we did way too much in too short of a time. <laughs> that always we, happens. There were some times where we'd get into the hotel at like midnight and because of like flights and stuff, we'd have to get up at like four the next morning. And like once or twice on a trip, that would be okay. But we did it like three nights in a row and that just like ran our bodies in the ground. So don't do that. Give yourself like at least a day and a half in each play you go, each place you go and try not to do late morning or late evening, early morning. We did too much of that. We, we got to spread it out the next trip we do. Yeah. I mean, I, my, we all do. Everybody does that, John, right? Like my, me and my wife, we have, we have family in South Carolina, but I've never been to North Carolina and I wanted to hit some of the spots in North Carolina. I wanted to go to like Asheville and see the coast, um, you know, check out some different spots so I'm like, oh, we'll go see family, but then we'll do this big two-week road trip, and we'll go to this spot this day, and we're going to hit here. We'll stay here a couple days. We'll stay in a hotel this night. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, midway through the trip, John, my wife, we're looking at each other like, what the hell were we thinking? This is too much. What are we doing? And we have a freaking one-year-old. Like, what were we thinking? One-year-old in the car yelling at us. We're like right outside the campus of North Carolina, and we're like, what the hell are we doing? So um, yeah, anyway, you, you always want to scale it back. Sometimes, sometimes that's the way to go when you're taking a trip up because of John's trip and the time difference and all the craziness last week, we did not have a chance to discuss the NFL trade deadline, John and the Bradley Chubb deal. Chubb is now a dolphin, right? Miami clearly is all in on a championship adding Chubb and my God. So now they add Bradley Chubb who they gave a boatload of money to as well. Um, They add Chubb to a roster that includes Tyreek Hill. They added Teron Armstead, the left tackle in the off season they are just freaking loaded all over the place. You look at their their roster and it's like, holy crap. So they're going all in. Good for Bradley Chubb. He's got a shot um, at winning one this year, I think. The Dolphins are pretty good. Uh, and Denver gets back a first-round pick in, in the package, right? Along with a running back who we'll get to. But you deal, Trump, you deal Chubb away, John. You get a 2023 first-round pick in return in, in part of the package. That's pretty good, right? I don't think there's a lot of Broncos fans that are looking at this and thinking, man, this is a horrible deal for the club, right? Yeah, I don't think there's many people that can be upset about it at all because Chubb, like, I like him just fine and, like, nothing against him, the guy or the player, but he's had a lot of injuries in his career. So he's been a little bit injury prone. Thankfully, this year he's held up great, but he's been a little bit injury prone. He was going to become a free agent next year. They probably weren't going to re sign him anyway. 
They didn't have a first-round pick next year because of the Russell Wilson trade. So if they let him walk in free agency, the highest comp pick they would have gotten would have been a third-round pick. So this is it's way better to trade him now and get a first and running back Chase Edmonds thrown in. That's like a nice little bonus. And they turned a fifth-round pick into a fourth-round pick. That's another nice little bonus. So to, to me, all the pros of it far outweigh the cons. And when you look at the contract that the Dolphins gave him, like you said, it's five years, 119 million, 63 guaranteed. His guaranteed money is almost as much as the Broncos gave Randy Gregory. He got a five year, 70 million deal. So Chubb got 119 on five years. Gregory got 70 million. And Gregory, of course, he has his, uh, off-field stuff, which it seems like he's passed now, but kind of similar to Chubb. He's had his – like Chubb has his injuries. Gregory's had a little injuries. Gregory's had – so they're, they have had their their stuff happen off the field. But even with that being the case, Gregory is a much better value, and we've been talking so much this season about how good Baron Browning looks. He looks fantastic. They just used a second-round pick on Nick Bonito, and they like Jonathan Cooper. Now he's going to be the fourth-string guy. So they've got plenty of guys, and not just like capable guys, like two very good quality starters. And Bonito, if he becomes who they want him to become, like an excellent third-string guy who eventually maybe he'll be a starter as well. So there's plenty of guys behind Chubb. They probably weren't going to resign him. He's had a couple injuries. He got a massive contract that Denver – couldn't really have afforded. So like you said, it's nice for Chubb because now he's with a contender. He got paid. It's nice for Denver because you got a first round draft pick again. Yeah, it does feel like uh, kind of a no brainer as you put in our in our show notes, John. It's just like so George Payton says, yeah, you can get a pick back from us with Chubb, but not until 2025. Right. No, you can't have nothing. It's got to be in 2025, a fifth round pick. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I mean, Picks in the upcoming drafts, 2023, 2024, are probably more valuable, I would think, to a franchise and kick it down the road till 2025. I mean, come on. So Chubb in a 2025 fifth rounder to the Dolphins for a first round pick this coming offseason and then a 2024 fourth rounder. And you get back Chase Edmonds, who's a running back. So and obviously the Broncos could use a running back with Javante Williams um, on the shelf for the season with the knee injury. So, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it makes a ton of sense. And. Edmonds is another interesting wrinkle in the deal. Kind of feels like a throw-in, right? He probably was because the Dolphins signed Edmonds to a pretty big contract for a running back. Two years, 12 and a, 12.1 million in the offseason, John. The, uh, the Dolphins signed Edmonds. Then they signed Raheem Mostert for less and give Mostert all the touches and all the carries. I was like, what? What's going on? I'm sitting here. I got Chase yeah. Edmonds on my dynasty team for fantasy. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Chase Edmonds is invisible. Put him on the field. So maybe the Broncos will. What do you think? Uh, how does Chase Edmonds factor in to the Broncos' plans at running back? I think that's an interesting question. Now, we know, uh, I mean, Melvin Gordon, they keep telling us that he's going to be the starter. Uh, but So fine. We're going to keep telling ourselves that. But could Chase Edmonds be that guy? I mean, it seemed like he was on pace to be that kind of player in Arizona, John. And then James Conner came over there and really made Edmonds expendable. Uh, and then the Dolphins yeah. signed him as a starter and didn't use him. So what about the Broncos? What could happen there? Yeah, like you said, George Payton said that Melvin Gordon is still the starter. And Payton said that Latavius Murray is going to mix in with Gordon. And with Edmonds, he said he's just another another piece to the puzzle. So just 
at face value, it makes it seem like he's not going to be a huge, huge factor initially. And just because of the way he's built, I think he's never going to be like a workhorse guy. He's more of a smaller scat back. But one thing that I think is really notable about him is he's a good pass blocker and he's a very good receiver out of the backfield. I think right now, just as soon as he joins the team, I think he's the team's best receiving running back on the roster already. So that makes me think maybe like Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray are going to be first and second down and like the short yardage and the goal line, those kind of more bruiser backs. And maybe Edmonds, maybe he's going to be in the passing situations like the third and long pass block or go out for a pass. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what his role eventually becomes. And like you said, he's got a two-year deal. I think that's really interesting because Melvin Gordon's a free agent next year. Latavius Murray's a free agent next year. Mike Boone, who's on injured reserve right now, he's a free agent next year. And like you also said, uh, Edmonds, it's a little bit of a rich contract for a running back, so maybe they're going to ask him to restructure or something. But as of this moment, he's under contract for next year when the Broncos don't have a lot of running backs under contract next year. And Javante Williams, he's got – a real serious knee injury. It was more than his ACL. It was his ACL and his LCL, I believe. Uh, So it was pretty significant, so much so that he might not be ready in week one. So if Javante Williams isn't ready in week one, we're assuming this is Gordon's last year. Latavius Murray, he's just a short plug-in guy this year. I don't think they're re-signing him. And boom, we'll see what happens. But I don't know. Maybe there's a chance if Williams isn't ready to go next year, maybe Chase Edmonds is kind of the fallback guy. And and even if they're not counting on him, like I said, he's not like a workhorse guy. Even if they're not counting on him to start week one, like if Williams is not ready to go, I think he's a real nice compliment to somebody like Javante Williams. He can be your first and second down, like your primary running back. Edmonds comes in, mix things up as a little bit of a scat back, like a receiving back. I think he's going to be a real nice compliment to Williams next year, assuming that they do pick up his contract. Like they might be able to get out of it, like pick, decline an option or, or just reduce his salary or just straight up cut him if they want to. Like we, we don't know anything beyond this season, but if they want to pick up his contract, it is a two year deal. So he could be back. He could be here next year and i think that's interesting with all the running backs they got that are going to be hitting free agency yeah it is interesting and another kind of cool point about this deal that george payton pulled off is that now the dolphins have all the 49ers first round picks from that trey lance trade right in the draft a couple (laughs) years ago so this isn't even the dolphins first rounder john right correct me if i'm wrong this is the 49ers pick correct okay so this is the 49ers pick in 2023 and I think the 49ers are a pretty good team. But right now, if you look at the NFL standings, the 49ers are a 500 football team at four and four. Seattle is running away with that division. Who would have predicted that? Uh, you know, so we, we were we should have been even more worried about week one, John. Right. We were worried about the seat. We said, oh, man, could be a tough one just because of the stadium, not because of the team. Well, it turns out the Seahawks are pretty good. Uh, so the 49ers are four and four. The Dolphins are six and three and they're pretty good. Like the Dolphins are loaded. And they're going for it. So that 49ers pick will probably be better than Miami's is where my roundabout way of going here. It'll probably be a better pick than Miami. So that's there as well. So now you've kind of you've recouped your first round pick in 2023 that you've yet you lost in the Russell Wilson deal. You still don't pick in the second round. You could have if you would have found somebody to cough up a second round pick for Jerry Judy. Sounds like nobody would go there. I know the Cowboys are reported uh, to have been in the mix for him. I think there was a couple other teams as well, John. But the Broncos, ultimately, they stick with Jerry Judy. They don't let him go for like a third-round pick or a comp pick or something like that. 
they hold on to him because they couldn't get that second round price they wanted. What do you think of that? Yeah, Peyton said that they wanted to keep a hold of their young, talented receivers. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. I think they were definitely would have, like you said, I think they definitely would have taken a second rounder for yes, Jerry Judy. It's definitely. just nobody offered that. The Cowboys apparently were interested. The Packers apparently were interested. But they probably didn't want to give up a super high price for a receiver that's talented but hasn't quite lived up to his potential just yet. So, I'm not too surprised they weren't able to get a second. And like, if you can't get a second, it is better to hang on to him than, you know, deal him for like, if somebody's offering like a fourth or something, no, you're better off just having Jerry Judy than getting a fourth round pick. And and like you said, they got a first next year. They don't have a second, but they do have two third round picks. So either two third round picks, you get two guys there, or maybe you trade up back into the second round with one of those third round picks. And then they got a fourth, they got a fifth, and they got a sixth. So they've got six picks now next year in the draft. And I still wouldn't be surprised if this coming offseason, if they make another trade or two. And then on draft day, of course, George Payton loves to move up and down the board. So as of now, they've got six picks. By the time the draft rolls around or during the draft, they'll probably end up with more than that. So I think it was a pretty good trade deadline for them. Yeah, and one of those third-round picks they have is the Colts, John. And that team is just, what are they doing? They're lightning it on fire over there. Jeff Saturday's the new coach. What? (laughs) So, okay. So they they pull Jeff Saturday out of the booth. (laughs) He's doing like get up or whatever the hell he was doing. And they put him as head coach. Hey, Jeff, Jeff, go figure it out. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Right on the fly in the middle of the season. What the hell's going on there? Jim Ursay. So yeah, that Colts pick in the third round, that could be a easily be a top 100 pick. It's nice for Denver that they're tanking. You Even though Denver's not doing so hot right now, you feel pretty confident that that Colts third rounder will end up being higher than the Broncos third rounder. There you go, folks. So, you know, those who listen to the program probably know that, uh, especially me, we're very negative. The topics tend to be a l- very negative, but there's some optimism for you. The draft board is getting uh, put together a little bit for next season. Uh, but also... I got three questions for John that are going to help us reset after the bye week. That's coming up next. But first, let's set our fantasy lineups with TheHuddle.com. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week number 10 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville Jaguars at Kansas City Chiefs. Quarterbacks have averaged just over two touchdown passes per game versus the Chiefs in 2022, and Casey has picked off only three passes. Lawrence's opponent has yielded 270 passing yards on average, and six quarterbacks have posted at least 20 PPR points against this defense. Kansas City always can jump out to a big lead, which forces more passing, but even if Jacksonville's defense does a respectable job, the offense will need to throw to keep pace. That alone makes Lawrence serviceable in a pinch. Running back Deontay Foreman, Carolina Panthers at Atlanta Falcons. Foreman had been on a tear for two weeks leading up to last Sunday when the Bengals throttled the Panthers in the first half. Negative game script worked against him and the journeyman was abandoned. He saw only 10 utilizations, 7 carries in total. This week, the incoming Falcons offer a gift of a matchup and will struggle to contain Carolina's backfield. Look into a possible return for Chuba Hubbard to cut into Foreman's workload, but the latter remains playable as no worse than a flex. Running backs have scored 6 rushing touchdowns in the last 5 games versus the Panthers, coming at the 8th highest rate. Two more touchdowns have come through the air in that time frame. Wide receiver George Pickens, Pittsburgh Steelers versus 
New Orleans Saints. There's enough upside in playing Pickens this week that he should be at least in the conversation of wide receiver three. The Steelers return from their bye week having had time to rest and prepare. The Saints have given up 11 performances of at least 10 PPR points on the year, nine of which were good enough for wide receiver three or better placement. Four non-wide receiver ones were able to score touchdowns. Pickens has at least five targets in five of his last six games, scoring wide receiver two results in a pair of those contests and number three figures in a trio of games. Tight end David Njoku, Cleveland Browns at Miami Dolphins. Njoku has missed a couple of games with an ankle injury, but he plans to play this week, so just monitor his status to be safe. The Dolphins have yielded the six most catches per game, 5.8, but only the 20th most yardage, just under 50, since week four. One in every 9.7 receptions has found the end zone in that time to create the 10th highest rate for scoring. Chicago's Cole Komet scored twice last week and became the sixth tight end to manage double-digit PPR returns on the year versus Miami. There should be healthy skepticism about Njoku picking up where he left off following the short absence, but his floor is high enough to warrant a start, even if a touchdown isn't in the cards. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. We got three questions of the week uh, that I cooked up for John. It's going to help us reset after the bye week. And here's number one for you, John. We're already at week 10, if you can believe it. So we're heading towards the end here. Uh, How many wins do you think the Broncos end up with by the end of this thing? Do you think they get like over under six wins? Do you think they get there? Over six, yes. But I I don't think it's going to be pretty. I... I typed it up uh, like game by game. You want me to run through that? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. So at the Titans, with the way the Broncos are looked, I, even though the Titans are a mess, I can't pick them to win in Tennessee. So that puts them at three and six. And then the Raiders at home, I think, is iffy. But just because it's home, yeah. I, I pick them to win it. The Raiders so that suck. Puts them at four yeah, six. let's take a win there. And then at the Panthers, the Panthers are so terrible, even in Carolina, they better be able to beat them, and that puts them at five and six. And then at the Ravens, I can't pick them to beat Baltimore five and seven. Then the Chiefs at home, you know, they haven't beaten the Chiefs in so many years, have them losing, dropping to five and eight. Cardinals at home, that I think is iffy, but just because it's at home, I give it to them, that six and eight. Then at the Rams, even though the Rams aren't doing so hot right now, it's still in Los Angeles. I have them losing going six and nine. And then at the Chiefs, like until they do it, I can't pick them to beat the Chiefs, especially in Kansas City. So that puts them at six and ten. And then home against the Chargers, I just, I have them beating the Chargers at home, and that puts them at seven and ten. And that like when if we look at from the beginning of the year what the expectations were. At the end of the season, if they end up ten and se- or seven and ten, that's going to be such a huge disappointment. Yeah. But at this very moment, being you know three and five, ending up seven and ten, you know that's not terrible, especially because they've got some hard games coming up. But it it's really that wouldn't be good enough, even with a new quarterback, a new offense, a first year head coach. It just wouldn't be good enough, and it's because of before their bye week, they put themselves in such a hole losing winnable games and now in the second half of the season they've got some real tough games coming up so i have them above six wins but only by one game at seven and ten 
Yeah, I like that. So again, in the preseason, if I would have told you, now John, it wouldn't be terrible if the Broncos went four and five over their last stretch of games and finished seven and 10, you'd slap me. Again, you'd slap me silly in the preseason, right? But this is what we're talking about. This is where we are. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm with you all the way through that first Chiefs game when they, when they go to five and eight. And you hope they can get two wins out of Arizona at home, at Rams, at Chiefs, home against the Chargers. Can they get two wins out of those four to get to seven wins? That's kind of a coin flip, isn't it? It's going to be a coin flip. Right? It's going to be interesting to see if they can pull that off. We'll find out. Uh, question number two, you know, the team has struggled, John. This is kind of n- not, not the easiest question. We, we might be going on the defensive side of the football. Who has been the Broncos midseason MVP? Yeah, I, I think, like you said, we have to go on the defensive side of the football because he's not Russell Wilson. He hasn't been good enough. Javante Williams, it may have been him if he hadn't gotten hurt. Like, it's such a shame the game he got hurt. Like, it seemed like they were turning to him as the workhorse. And if that had happened, he might have been putting up really good numbers this season. So it's not Javante. He's on IR. It's not Russell Wilson. It's none of the receivers. So nobody on offense. And we just talked about the other week, Justin Simmons saved that game in London with that interception. So I think there's a case for him. But uh, just as far as who is their best player, their most standout player, the person that you know they can't play without, it probably is Pat Sertan. Uh, and now especially – they don't have Ronald Darby, so they've got a rookie starting across from Sertan. So if they lost Sertan, they would just be so sunk. The, the defense would just be uh, really lost out there. And he's not just like a key player for them. He's like literally one of the best corners in the NFL already in his second season. And that's not me just being like a biased Broncos fan. Like you talk to current and former cornerbacks across the NFL, like every week they're hyping up on Twitter how good he is. And you know, maybe there's a case that he's only top three or only top five instead of being number one. But there's no question that he's right up there among the best already. So I think Pat Sertan, he's probably already their best player. And I think he's got to be a pro bowler this year. And I think he's making a very strong case to be an all pro as well. Yeah, Sertan's where I would have went with that answer, too. And it's just like it's kind of fun, right? When we go back to the draft, when they took Sertan, but you needed a quarterback you passed on Justin Fields. You drafted Sertan. Sertan's developing into a just stud, foundational, number one corner. So you got the pick right. But Fields is also like starting to blow up a little bit too. And he's looking like a really good talent. And Bears fans are so happy right now that they have Justin Fields. And all of a sudden, he's headlining the morning shows on NFL Network and ESPN. So that's going to be a fun one to look back on. If those two become elite stars drafted really close to each other and the Broncos right in the middle of it, John. I don't know. That's just kind of a fun one. But I, I'm not saying the Broncos got it wrong because you got a foundational number one corner. And I think Patrick Sertan is a stud. And I think he's the MVP of your team right now, which is, you know, just come on, Russell Wilson. It should be you, bro. It should be you. That's really that's, that, that, that's a thing with the Pat Sertan and Justin Fields conversation. If Russell Wilson becomes the Russell Wilson of old, it's no question that right, they absolutely right. made the decision because uh, Sertan is a stud. He's such a star. And then you end up with a franchise quarterback anyway. But that's not the case if Wilson falls off and he never returns to playing at least close to the level that he played before. So Wilson's got to pick it up. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of where I was going with this question. It was that it should be Russell Wilson. It's not. It's probably Pat <laughs> yeah. Sertan. I think Simmons is another good one. But yeah, you know, Simmons didn't just save that game in London, John. Simmons saved Hackett. Because if he hadn't made that play in the end zone, it was early in the game too, right? He made that interception in the end zone. 
Like, if he hadn't you know, done that, Broncos fans would have found Hackett at the airport, stole his passport, and left him in London. He would still be overseas <laughs> right now. Hackett would not have made it back to the States. So, uh, thank God Simmons made that interception. Going on to question number three. Uh, Frank Reich, by the aforementioned Colts, was cut loose uh, for Jeff Saturday, John, as we talked about earlier. Uh, the Colts have turned into a dumpster fire before our very eyes. Go ahead, Colts. Burn it down. We have your third round pick next year. Uh, <laughs> is Frank Reich a name to watch in Denver, John, either as a replacement for Nathaniel Hackett next season, right? If they decide, okay, we can't, you know, and George Payton could tell us all day long how much he, he believes in Nathaniel, but uh, sorry, if it doesn't work out and they decide to move on and Frank Reich is there, should they go there or should they just go bring him in as an offensive coordinator or should they go get him as an offensive coordinator right now, John? What do you think about Frank Reich and his connection to Denver? Yeah, I'm very interested in him. And I think if they do end up seven and 10, I think, or even worse than that, I definitely think the owners will think about making a head coach change. And if Hackett is fired at the end of the year, I think Reich has to be one of the top people that they call. I, I think he would be one of the top candidates available. I don't think he's a bad coach. And you, you mentioned offensive coordinator. I don't think right now they could do that because I bet he's just going to sit out the second half of the season and then be a top head coach candidate. I Like if teams go through the head coach cycle this off season and he's not hired, then yeah, he'd be a great offensive coordinator. And I'm sure a lot of people would want him as an offensive coordinator, but I doubt he'd jump into that right now. I think he's going to want to put himself in the head coach pool at the end of the season. So I kind of doubt he's going to go anywhere this year. Um, but yeah, like if they do stick with Hackett and if no one hires him as a head coach, yeah, like I would love to bring him in as an offensive coordinator. I think it it could not be, even though the Colts offense has been bad this year, I think he could not, uh, Denver's offense wouldn't be any worse than it is right now. It just hasn't been good enough. So get uh, some new ideas in there, some new schemes in there. I think that would be a good thing. And like, yeah, this year the Colts have been bad, but he has a track record and a history and a resume. He's had a lot of success in the NFL before. Now, remember last last uh, season, John, when I kept saying this, it was probably in the offseason, when I kept saying that George Payton should sit down Vic Fangio and say, Vic, we're going to move you to defensive coordinator. You're going to be demoted from head coach, and you're going to go to defensive coordinator, and it's going to be great. Remember when we talked about that, and it was we were joking. Um, and look, I'm glad it didn't happen because we all like Ajiro Evero. He's great. He's great. Yeah. We love him. He's he's fine. He's an ascending coach in the league. Love him. They might have to do the same thing with Hackett in the offseason. Sit down Hackett and say, hey, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, love what you're doing. Love you, man. We're going to have to ask you to uh, be demoted <laughs> to uh, <laughs> offensive coordinator, and we're going to hire Frank Reich. And oh, yeah, Frank's calling the place. You silly, silly man, Nathaniel. So uh, that might just have to happen uh, in the offseason. Yeah, I think Frank Reich's a good coach. That's why I keep bringing him up, John. He's a good coach. He gets fired midseason when that dumpster fire that's going on in the Colts. Jim Irsay, what the hell's going on over there? Yeah. It could I, be worse. I put it so much more on Jim Irsay than on yes. Frank Wright. Yes. And the fact that they fired him at this point. Like, I, I think that he truly wants to tank, and I really think that's part of it. Okay. So have at it, Colts. We're not going to stand in your way. Uh, so, all right. Coming up next, the uh, Broncos. Well, they're an underdog heading to Tennessee. We already know John thinks they're going to lose. He already gave us that answer. So we're going to, he's going to expand on that a little bit right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slipping Podcast. Be sure to check us and our sports book provider, Typico Sportsbook, out. 
Tipico Sportsbook is a global sports betting leader and is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. You can make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from our Bet Slippin' podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply and you have to be 21 plus. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey or 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. Alrighty, let's move on to Sunday Night Football. It is the Chargers visiting the 49ers. The Chargers are plus 7, which means they are the underdogs. So the Chargers and Herbert are getting healthier. Herbert's ribs are getting healthier, and they are 4-0 on the road this season against the spread, and they are 1-0 as an underdog. The San Francisco pass defense has regressed and ranks 40 or 22nd in opponents' completion percentage. Expect Herbert to have his way and back the Chargers at plus 7. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. The uh, Broncos are considered a three-point Underdog at Tennessee. We're not surprised by that at all, John, uh, because, you know, Tennessee, they're a pretty good football team. They're well coached. I really like Mike Vrabel. I think he does a great job. I'm a big fan of Mike Vrabel. They're always tough on defense. They're always tough in the run game with Derrick Henry. Uh, The only problem they have is quarterback. (laughs) So whether it's Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis, the rookie, uh, they haven't been very good in that area, but it probably doesn't matter if it's Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill. Well, okay. I think Tennessee's more dangerous with Ryan Tannehill because Malik Willis is having a hard time completing anything beyond the line of scrimmage right now. Uh, but, John, we kind of know what's going to happen against Tennessee, right? They're going to run it down your throat with Derrick Henry. And it's going to be hard to stop, even for a good defense like Denver. And they're going to play really, really good defense, which is the number one concern, right? The Broncos struggling offense against a really, really good Tennessee defense on the road. Uh, the question is, could the Broncos cook enough up during the bye week here to go and give Tennessee a run and maybe upset them on the road. You know, I, I think we'll learn a lot about who the Broncos are, what their coaches have. If the Broncos can go and win this ball game, which you know neither of us are expecting they'll do it. If they do, that'll tell us something about this coaching staff, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'd feel very differently about that if they go in Tennessee and get a win against a good team, even if it is a struggling Malik Willis quarterbacking them. And uh, I'm not really sure 100% Ryan Tannehill's status. I think we'll know more about him when the Titans' final injury report comes out on Friday. But if it is Malik Willis, you could see Denver's defense having a very good game and giving him a lot of problems. But like you said, the, the guy you got to worry about is Derrick Henry. And historically – the Broncos have actually done pretty good against Derrick Henry. They've they've limited the damage against him in the three times they've played against him. But, you know, that that's in the past. Like this season, when they played the Raiders, Josh Jacobs rushed for like 150 yards and two touchdowns. And that was a couple weeks ago. But even since then, the last few weeks, it seems like almost every week, each running back's broken off like a big chunk, like 30 or 40 or 50 yard run against them. And it, and it hasn't been like all game where it's just like they get run over, run over, but they've allowed like a big, a big run every couple of weeks. And like Derrick Henry, yeah, if you hold him to two yards, hold him to three yards, hold him to two yards for most of the game, that's great. But if he has that one 50-yard run and gets a touchdown or just a huge 50-yard run, gives him great field position, like 
that's the kind of play that could swing the game. And we've seen the defense be susceptible to that kind of thing this season without even playing one of the best running backs in the NFL. So you worry a little bit, even, even if Willis does plays, like if Henry, even if, even if it's just one play and a low scoring defensive struggle, just one play like that, maybe even just setting up a field goal or something in a close game, like he's obviously a huge threat and you just can't feel confident about the Broncos. They're like, they scored 21 points against the Jags. I don't think the Jags are that good. And I, I think the Titans defense is probably a lot better than that as well. So I, I, I'm not that confident in Denver's office to put up points. And I think their own defense could do pretty decent, especially against Willis. But like I said, all it takes is one Derrick Henry play. It could sink you. Yeah, I hear that. I think if Willis plays, I mean, the over-under, the total in this game is laughably low, 37. I know. That was like the, that was like the number when, uh, uh, who, who was it? I'm blanking on our, our receiver that had to play quarterback due to COVID. Oh, Kendall Hinton. Yeah, Ke- Kendall Hinton. It was like... It was in the low 30s, I think, 33. You never see spreads this low. Usually, like, the lowest it goes is, like, 38 and a half, 37. But if Malik Willis starts, John, I think I take the under. I think I take the under. As crazy as it is, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there'll be a lot of points scored in this ballgame either way. I think Denver will be able to compete on defense. Um, But what do you have for Tennessee's defense, right? What does Russell Wilson and this group have for Tennessee? We're going to find out. Uh, John... You want to ask my take on something before we sign off. What do you got? Yeah, so this last week, uh, or I guess two weeks ago, when the Broncos were in London, they wore white jerseys and blue pants. as the first time they've ever done that combination. The players actually wanted to do that. And I think the players actually kind of wanted to switch up the uniforms, but with the NFL, you have to do it like so many years out and stuff, and it was way too late for that process. But one thing you can do is your existing jersey and pants, you can use whatever combination you want of an existing uniform. So they switched it up and they did a white Jersey blue pants. And at at first I didn't really like it at all. But then since then seeing like the pictures and the highlights, it's grown on me a lot and I don't mind it. And Broncos fans have kind of been really mixed about it. So you as a neutral who doesn't really have an investment in the Broncos uniforms, I was curious what you thought of that uniform combination and just throwing it out there they won wearing it the first time and they're planning to wear it against the titans again on sunday well if it means the broncos win more then yes by all means let's go you can't Uh, argue against that yeah i I think but just the look yeah i think the look is like it reminds me a little bit too much of like the bears uniforms personally do you do you see that Uh, yep a lot of people have said that okay it's not what i thought initially but when people say that i'm like yeah i can see where you're coming from with that so for me i like i think it'd be clean like i like the white on white kind of that color rush thing. I don't know if that's because I'm like, you know, in my thirties or what John, like, I don't know, but for some reason I like the white on white with like the helmet and, and that thing. Um, I do know this, like some teams have gotten nutty. Like, have you seen the bears uniforms with, with the all orange and the orange helmet? Yeah. They yeah. Look, that looks horrible. Like, I think that's horrible. <laughs> so, I mean, look, I don't think it's a, a bad uniform and like the blue tops and the white pants is kind of, have they, they've done that before too, right? That's like kind of yeah, a Broncos yeah, that, thing. That was yeah. their standard. Yeah, that's a standard. Stretch. Yeah, that's that's how I picture John Elway, right? Like with the yeah. with the blue uh, top and the white pants. And the Super Bowl, yeah. But I think for me, I don't know. I still kind of like the blue on blue or the white on white. Um, and you know, I think the orange ones are are kind of cool too. Um, but I'm not in love with it because I think they look like the Bears. I guess that's what my take would be on that. Yeah. 
I think it just needs to be tweaked. Like for one thing, the stripe on the jersey is a different color than the stripe on the pants. And yeah. I think that looks really bad. Yeah. But yeah. white up top and blue on the bottom, I don't mind. I think they just gotta do some tweaks to it. And I bet the new ownership, I think the whole uniform is gonna get revamped in the next few years. They just uh the ownership group had to get in to start the process and then you have to alert the NFL. So it'll probably be like 2024 before we see something maybe 2023 i don't know but i i think new uniforms are definitely going to be coming down uh, eventually yeah and it'll have a little walmart smiley face right in the shoulder pad <laughs> when those new <laughs> uniforms done <laughs> so all right what's what's going on uh broncos wire now that you've kind of got reacclimated to uh you know daylight savings time and all that crap that happened here while you were gone john no actually i think you were back for daylight savings time this past weekend um, now that you're back, you know what day it is, you know what time it is, you're back in the flow. What's going on? Broncos wire between now and kickoff. More previews for the Titans. Yeah, yeah we got all the injury reports every day. Who's practicing, who's not. And on Friday, what their game statuses are. We'll be checking in on the Titans too. And, you know, writing about Derrick Henry and, you know, different matchups for the game. And uh we always put out the TV map, which I know people really appreciate. So just the typical uh game week coverage leading up to the titans game yeah i mean at least the broncos didn't lose the bye week john like you see the <laughs> giants had a player over the bye like go to cabo and screw up it when they're starting safety Xavier mckinney of the giants went to cabo during the bye week and like smashed up his hand and he might be done for the year <laughs> messing around on an atv in cabo during the bye week so at least the broncos didn't screw up the bye week okay i guess yeah. we, could, we could say we could hang our head on that look it hasn't been great this year, but it could be worse. You could be the Colts. You could have Jim Ursay as your uh, owner, and you could have some of your, your key players. Like, imagine Patrick Sertan going to Cabo, breaking his, no. smashing his hand, and being out for the year, John, on the bye week. Yeah. So it could be worse. I'm not going to imagine that. Yeah, it, it, it could be a lot worse. So at least we don't have that. We'll see what happens against the Titans. It's an interesting little matchup. Uh, hopefully, I mean, again, if the Broncos go and win this game at Tennessee, against that team and that coach, because, I again, I have a lot of respect for Mike Vrabel. I think he's one of the best in the league. That would be saying something. That would be, uh, I think that would be a nice little statement from Hackett and his coaching staff. I'm not betting on it. I'm betting on the Titans, okay? And I think John is too. But, you know, if that happens, we're going to have to give Nathaniel Hackett some flowers next week, and we'll be here for it. Uh, for John Heath, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. Hit subscribe if you haven't already, and we will talk to you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.